1: I should say, having been in Mississippi last week, y'all, y'all, I love y'all, by the way. It, it works better than you. Hi, Dennis Prager and Julie Hartman. Shalom. And after spending great amounts of money on research, they came up with the name Dennis and Julie. Yes. It was well worth all the money spent.
2: Well, you know what? Better simple than bad. Uh. <laughs> better simple than something stupid.
1: Well, you know, Einstein had a great line about that. I'm curious if you know this. Mm. Things should be as simple as pop, made as simple as possible, but not simpler.
2: That is a good line.
1: It's a. Uh, why did Why did I share it with you?
2: You know, there are a few things like. There... Isn't it
1: amazing? She's actually starting in on that line. I was <laughs> sure that that would basically die and no. we'd move on. nothing dies. Nothing dies on Dennis and Julie. It always
2: starts with an anecdote. It, it is It
1: is really funny.
2: Like you know, the sun was shining today, and then oh we're like, well.
1: Let me tell you about the sun.
2: Yes, yes, we have, and then you go. I have a theory on that,
1: and then I'll tell you why I have two sons. And it'll just go God knows where. All well, right, go by ahead. By the way, as a
2: total aside, it's amazing. You you're one you're one of two sons. You have two oh, sons. Oh no, you don't Your know. My son That's has two for, sons oh, you, and Sue has two sons. You
1: never heard me tell you this?
2: No, I uh, think you have. Yeah.
1: My but father had two sons, I have two sons, my son has two sons, and my wife has two sons. That's all I know. I don't know three and I don't know daughters. Lucky. Okay, go
2: ahead. You're probably lucky. <laughs> You're probably not, lucky. I'm not that you complaining. Don't know my admit. dad is listening. Like he's lucky. Uh, no, I'm not complaining.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: I was going to say about names. You know, because obviously when I was naming my show "Timeless," I I, I didn't want to call it the Julie Hartman Show. No offense to people who call it the you know insert name show you can do it because you're famous you know like it makes sense for you to call it the Dennis you Pranger were right show you
1: were right I, or I, the I Ben agree Shapiro yes. show but I didn't right. want
2: it because people would be like who the hell is Julie Hartman you know mm-hmm. and I think it's a very kind of everyone does that paradigm and again if you're famous it makes sense but when you're a little plebeian like me you probably shouldn't do that but when I was thinking about names I, I you know you know me I, I get so intense and so like think think it's you know This name would be the end of the world if it were bad. And then I kind of came up with this shocker theory about names, especially names of talk shows. Unless it's really, really, really bad and stupid, I actually don't think it matters that much.
1: Excellent point. I really don't. I'll tell you, the name of a book is incredibly important.
2: Totally.
1: And I, I say it both as the author of titles that were great and titles that weren't great. That means
2: what, what? So that's interesting. What titles okay. do you not think were great? Well,
1: I don't believe it or not. Still, the best hope. Mm. I I think the subtitle should have been perhaps the title, "Why the World Needs American Values."
2: I agree with that.
1: Because it doesn't tell you any. If the title doesn't tell you anything, it's not good. I
2: hate to say it, but I agree. It's not. It's yes. not a bad title. No, I know. But I I no, agree with you.
1: It it hurts me.
2: Well. It's okay. I, I okay, clearly, I, I, clearly, people have read and were very influenced by the book. You did. That was that was that that was your, that, that your book why that you, influenced you me You wrote the most.
1: me, and then uh, the rest is history.
2: So, at the risk of making it about me for just a moment, I think that you know God. I think that God does play a role in each of our lives. I think I think that God, if you're if you're aware of it, you can sometimes see the hand of God in the way that He leads you. I mean, you certainly saw the hand of God the day that you met your wife because you do all these meet and greets and you stay after to talk to every single person who is a attendee at your speech. And then literally the last person in line was the best woman you could have ever found and married. So the point is, I think, again, if you look around, you'll be able to see God's hand in things. I think God leads and influences me through book choices I really do because your book, I don't, you don't understand when I was, when I was in that time in my life, I didn't read books very much. I'm, I'm a fiend now with reading books, but back then I didn't so much. And it's amazing to me that I discovered you on PragerU and then I decided to order that specific book. Yeah, yeah, It was, and I think that was kind of divine. And then when it showed up, I actually was going to return it, not because there was something, you know, bad, not because I saw it was still the best hope and I thought that's a bad title, but because I thought, oh, I ordered too many things. I want to save money. I'm going to return this book. I'm probably not going to read it. And then something told me to read it. I'll give you another example. I, about a year and two months ago, I literally woke up one morning. This was shortly after I graduated from college and in, in that summer before I started my job. I literally woke up one morning and I thought, I should reread the Scarlet Letter. And I, th- why why would I why would I have that thought? I hadn't read it since ninth grade, but something so, I literally woke up and I said I need to reread it. I went into my bookshelf; it was there from high school. I reread it, and now it's one of my favorite books. A big part of you know themes I talk about in my show, and I did a PragerU book club with Michael Knowles on it. I could give more examples, but anyway, it just made me think that that is the book that led me here.
1: That's right. Still the best hope. Well, let me, since you mentioned it, just for those listening or watching, there's, there's a book of three books about America, about the left, and about Islam.
2: And what a time to and read this And if you book.
1: want to understand all three, I think it's the best book that does all three in one. Yes. Okay, still the best hope. Thank you for that.
2: But back to the names thing, I, I actually don't think names of talk shows matter that much.
1: I, I, I suspect that you're right because I can't think of anyone that stands out. It's right. always either I like the individual or, or – you're right – it matters in books, and I don't know where else it matters. It's an interesting point.
2: Even, and this is said with so much respect for The Daily Wire, if you look at the name The Daily Wire, it's not a particularly...
1: Right, sexy name. Sexy yeah, name. That's correct.
2: It's kind of just Yeah, but there. it doesn't matter. But it's it a giant. it doesn't matter because it's... It, it, yeah. It's
1: exactly right. All right. Well said. Anything else on your mind? I got a lot on my mind. So I have an interesting thought for you. So it's been a very difficult time because of the monstrosities in Israel. And um, this is a good example of when I tell people about Dennis and Julie, who were big fans of mine and my shows and my 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 writings and so on, I say, I promise you that. Things, as open as I am, and I really am, on my own show, things are brought out about me in Dennis and Julie that otherwise just don't get mentioned. And it's not because I'm hiding it, but because in dialogue with someone, in particular you, so here's a good example of something I didn't mention on the show. I did tangentially, but not the way I'm going to mention it now so it's uh, it's been a, a very intense time since the horrible attacks on Israel, the greatest loss of Jews in a day since the holocaust i mean, it's It's really been difficult
2: and the world changed the,
1: i i well, I hope it changed to be honest we'll see i i I don't know how long human memories are, but maybe it did we'll We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, this is actually just a personal and professional note, n- not, not a big macro note. But it is interesting. So I always go over with Alan, my producer, you know, the show, but basically... Not so much the show, because I don't know what I'll talk about until five minutes before.
2: <laughs> no, that is that is literally true. Yes, it is it literally true. It used to true. give me a heart attack, but yes, now I know it's just right. you. There
1: are times I come up with the subject as the theme is the theme oh, it oh, comes Oh, I am on. aware. Yeah. But uh, so what we talk about is, are, I will say, who were any guests today? So he said to me, again, five minutes before the show, well, at the at the middle hour of the show... Uh, that uh, I asked uh, Jerry Zucker, David Zucker, and Jim Abrams to come in. They the the book about their movie Airplane, which has happened forty three years ago, has just come out. Their memoir of the of the movie, and I said, "Wait, Israel has just undergone the most horrible attack in its history, the greatest attack on Jews since the Holocaust," and I am going to talk about Airplane. And he said, "People need a respite." Mm-hmm. So here is a um, here is where I say I'm, I'm being open to the point that I wasn't even on my own show. I didn't agree with Alan, but I didn't say anything because a he's the producer, and unless I'm passionate, I'm not going to override a decision he makes. And, that and he has
2: excellent judgment.
1: And he, that's the whole point. That's right. You hit it on the nose. And he has ex- excellent judgment. This is, so there were a lot of lessons in this. I think in retrospect, he was right that we needed a respite. And this was as far afield as you could get. The, the 43rd anniversary of one of the five most successful comedies ever made into a movie uh And with the authors and the three authors and the writers and they all three were also the directors. So a few lessons, because I'm very big. If, if I can't learn a lesson from something, it's like it didn't happen. So one is you really do have to know in life whom to trust over your own judgment. If you think you're always right, even about your own life, forget about politics and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lead an enriched life. You will make a lot of boo boos.
2: Oh, this is so important. Oh, great it's, subject.
1: Yes, it. it and I, so this is this is a gift. I admit it's I, I don't even consider it praiseworthy. It's just a gift that I was given to always ask. What can I learn from X and Y and Z? Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, the reason is so that I could share it with the public. I right. want to help people lead a better life. Mm-hmm. If that's my corny ambition with my life. So <laughs> that's that's a very very big one, and I have great faith in my judgment. I mean, we're not talking to, to Mr. Uh, you know, uh, silly putty here. Uh, I I have strong convictions, but I trust him, and I know I know his. He has a sense. Uh, he was a screenwriter. He has a sense of what the public is up for. And everybody who works on the show came in and said, "I can't believe you did that! It was a great hour, and we needed it."
0: Oh wow!
1: And they had no idea. How could they know what I'm thinking about internally'cause i'm i you have no idea, and this is where I'm saying i would i didn't say this on my show. he has well maybe Alan has an idea, but I was so close to saying alan i'm so, I feel bad, but we just can't do it today I mean, it, you know this is just a week after the, the the nightmare in Israel, and it worked out great
2: so do you afterwards feel like it was, I know you say that Alan thought it was the right thing, Sean and everyone so, thought it was good. Uh, so here when is a, you were done, all right.
1: So here is a, that's a great, great question. And my answer to you is, I admit, I don't know.
2: Oh, interesting. So you're still a little bit like, was that the right thing? Right.
1: Okay. But I depend completely on others
2: take did you get any comment i mean i know it just happened but did 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 you get any comments from, from listeners saying well i no, no. you're talking th- about this
1: the uh that could have happened but it didn't happen that is correct that's one way uh but th- the fact that everybody who works on the show yes. thought it was fantastic and th- they're all young i mean they they're not even people who necessarily knew the movie right and they loved it mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm
1: and by the way, here's another awesome little thing. This I've known for years, and it's very sobering. So the first thing I asked you was, do you know the, do you know the movie Airplane? You never heard of it, correct? Correct. Right. So you're you are now. By the way, happy birthday.
2: Oh, thank you.
1: You're now 24. Don't you're, remind me. You're moving up there. I know it's it's awful. Uh, how old are you getting? <laughs>
2: Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins claiming that they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hitting commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed have always had Dennis's back. Nick's been in the industry for 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at AmFed Coin & Bullion. 1-800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com.
1: By the way, the truth is, they start to zip along, don't they?
2: Stop! I know. If well, only right. you knew how much this is racking me. It's you're all, racking you're, me a It's racking you. We'll
1: have to. We'll have to talk no, about that. No, yeah. No, yes, no. we do. That it's racking you. That you're 24 is worthy of some degree of uh, consultation. But the the uh, the in th- this is the point that I want to make. People need to understand the fleeting nature of fame. Mm. Everyone heard of that movie. Everyone, no matter how out of it they were, they heard of that movie. That was the most famous comedy, uh, 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 I, would pro- I would say, within a quarter of a century span and you ought to see it by the way. It is a total crap. I am intrigued up. now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very politically incorrect. Good. My favorite scene is the ultimate political it would never happen now. I'll tell you my favorite scene. So it takes place, it's about an airplane obviously. So <laughs> there's a scene where this the the plane has hit turbulence. Mm-hmm. And one woman is starting to to scream. She's panicking out. I'm laughing just picturing the scene. About six, four to six passengers line up in front of her and tell her to shut up and smack
2: her in the face. (laughs) Boy, have we all wanted to do that a few times. That's right.
1: Well, that's why it's so funny. And so this, this of course, there would be no way for me to know. So I said to the Zucker brothers. And Jim, their partner, I said to them, "That was that's my favorite scene. And they said, we totally get it. People love that scene. And he said, so here, Dennis, this you cannot know. We had the scene and we had got people, men and women, lining up to shut her up. Right. Which is a pleasure in and of itself. And she said, I think they ought to smack me.
2: Oh, it was her idea. Yes, it was the actress. Good for her. They probably made it a lot funnier. Yes,
1: of course it did.
2: Yes. That's a a woman committed to her part.
1: Yes. And I so salute her. And it is almost impossible... For me to imagine that, that that a movie could be made today with people lining up and smacking a woman across the face,
2: I will totally watch that because I, I mean, I don't want to veer off of this this very important insight that you've made about Fame. Knowing, well, yes, fame, but knowing your blind spots and knowing oh, when okay, to defer fine. They're to both others' critical. judgment. Yeah. However, we could have a whole discussion on planes because. It is endlessly fascinating to me to people watch on planes. And my gosh, I'm just going to say it. There are some dregs of humanity on airplanes these days. Like, the creepy the, the,
1: uh, airplane unkempt... today is essentially a flying greyhound bus.
2: It, it, it is really, it's gotten like like the. I'm... Do you know
1: what a greyhound bus is? Uh, uh,
2: no, I don't.
1: I didn't think so.
2: You don't miss a beat. That's true. You don't miss a beat. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Okay, I tried to play it off like I totally knew.
1: Great. So
2: I'm the... just 24.
1: Correct. Uh, Greyhound bus, though, still exists. That is the that is the cheapest mode of transportation. I think it's the cheapest, uh, and and it is. It's so you don't have generally the highest class. I don't mean economic class, just the highest class of people. Uh, on on those buses, so and there's, it's Greyhound has has stations or depots all in in every city in the country. I mean, if you want to go from Oklahoma City to uh, I don't know uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, if there is such a place, you take a Greyhound bus. What else are you going to take? You, you there's no train. There's no plane, mm. so right train, plane, and bus, but, basically. Right. Okay, so that's uh, that's all.
2: I feel like play, the crowd on planes has gotten worse. I don't know why. I, I have no the reason is data. the way
1: because they dress like they're going to the beach.
2: It's also just it's dress. It's it's that. I'm, I'm sorry to get TMI though. All of us have been there a lot. A lot of people are very unkempt. They, they seem dirty and like they're not being sanitary. I mean, there are there, I was next to a woman and she was like eating a burger next to me and the ketchup was dripping. And I was just like, Oh my God, just, and sometimes you see these people and they look really creepy and some of them look kind of drugged out. And you're just like, "I, I would love to go around with a pen and paper on the flight and go, where are you going? Or sorry, well, we know where you're going. Why, why are you flying to New York? What do you do for a living? Are you married? Do you have children? If you could distill your life motto into a sentence, what would it be? Like I wanna, I just wanna get a profile. Who are these people? Just weird, weird people on these planes. Has society gotten more weird? By the way, were you reading a book about that? About weirdness?
1: Oh, no, 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 I was, but that was a serious book. It's about how Westerners are weird in, in, in the best sense. That oh. We morphed to a different drummer. no, that, that was not about weird people oh. as you I feel like I feel
2: like society this is either gonna land or totally or not land at all. I feel like people have gotten more weird. well uh, and more delinquent.
1: That's probably true. and what I what I think about, remember, this is back to my old question to you who has it worse? You who didn't know America as I knew America. Uh, or me, uh, who knew America like right. I knew America. I mean, when I used when I flew at your age, people didn't show up in, in shorts and t-shirts. I, I I sit in first class uh, at six foot four and traveling every single week of the year. You don't need to explain exactly. It. Don't worry. Okay. Anyway, I sit in first class, so I see everybody who comes on board. And I I think the next flight, I am going to count the number of men, it's more with men, wearing T-shirts.
2: You know what? You and I disagree on this. I don't have a problem with comfortable clothes on a plane. The thing, I I agree with you, society in general. Well,
1: and a big reason is because you didn't see society when it didn't. That is totally fair. That's
2: totally fair. I think on planes, especially, you're, you're so cramped, they're freezing. You probably think they're wonderful. I think they're freezing.
1: You think planes are freezing?
2: Are you, you don't think planes are freezing?
1: The first thing I do is turn on the air vent on top.
2: The first thing I do is turn off the air oh, vent. I'm sure. I bring scarves right. and this double. Is a classic
1: male female I will difference. wear
2: two long sleeve shirts and a sweatshirt, oh and I'll my have a scarf. God, right. And I'm freezing.
1: Okay.
2: Right. Oh gosh, well, you are so wrong about this. Wow,
1: wrong is the word. Go ahead. Yes,
2: it is the word. Um, I, I hear. I hear you. Society in general, We've, we have definitely just succumbed to the dregs w- with regard to dressing, but on planes because they pack you in like sardines and they're so and it's so freezing i get the 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 Comfort, comfortable right. but but it, again to me it's more like the sloppiness the unkemptness the um the unsanitariness uh just people who are kind of who seem drugged out who kind of smell bad like that's the kind of stuff that that i get very worried about because if you look at footage, you know, I mean, you know, this is your whole, I actually knew America. I look at footage of 50 years ago, what people looked like walking down the street. You just didn't see people who looked like delinquents. I'm sorry. You do both in the dress, but also in, in the sanitariness. And you didn't look, you just didn't see people like that.
1: Have you seen, Uh, We may have mentioned this in the past, but have you seen pictures of the way people dressed up for baseball games?
2: Yes, it depresses me.
1: In the 1950s, and we're not talking about the 1850s. I know, it
2: depresses me. In
1: the 1950s, everybody watching this or listening to this should just look up pictures. Uh, It's easily found. Baseball game in the 1950s. Just, I guess, Google that. Yeah. People dressed so much better for a baseball game then than they do for church today. Yep. Let alone for an airplane. And why does it matter? We've talked about this. It doesn't matter to me. It matters because one has to ask the question why did people dress up whenever they left the house? That is an important question to ask. Even baseball game, restaurant, airplane why? Because the underlying thesis was, I, it's my way of showing respect oh, to my yes. fellow individual.
2: Yes. Well, we have talked about this, how there's no sense of respect for society, respect for the other people around you. And the thing I was just thinking about as you were speaking, and I was contemplating why it is that we see, as I call them, way more delinquents or delinquent uh, behavior today than we we did back then. And it's because there's no shame anymore. People don't have any shame if they're on a plane eating a burger and their ketchup's dripping and they're playing the video game. Like there's no, there's just, it, we live in this society where it's like, let your freak Which, no, well, fly. Well, it's
1: particularly interesting given the high status of the self-esteem movement. Right. So you would think, doesn't self-esteem demand that I dress and act in a certain way? Comporting with my self image?
2: No, no. The self esteem movement means do do what is authentic yes, to you. That's right. Despite whatever right. whatever people around you make. Like if I were, I don't care how hungry, and I and I eat on planes. I'm not against people eating on planes. I'm against the the ketchup falling. If I if I had a burger and I thought that it was going to make the person next to me, you know, my sopping, I would. I I don't care how hungry I was. I would never do it out of d- dignity and self respect. I would just, I right. would feel so ashamed, even if I didn't know the person. Well, I wouldn't want people around me looking and being like, "Oh, thank God, I'm not next to that so, girl." So uh,
1: uh, it's amazing how I, I resonate to your statement. So I big fan of tuna salad. I love egg salad. I love oh, tuna that. salad. <laughs> I love chicken salad. I, lo- I just like that food, and I don't eat the tuna salad on the plane. Because a lot of people don't like the smell yes, of fish. Yes,
2: yes, yes. I'm I'm very careful with what I eat on planes. It's a very good point. So no,
1: no, you made the point. Oh, so it is. A very it's a great good
2: point. point. <laughs> it's an excellent point. It's a very good point. Yes, someone needs to. I'll watch the movie on airplanes because some we have to do another movie on airplanes and and how just utterly miserable. And and you know another thing. I'll say this one thing, and then I really want to get to your judgment point. There's no customer service anymore. It's really, in every area of life.
1: Right. So here's, boy, this will blow your mind. Uh, Do you know that there was only one time in my life that I was for government regulation rather than free enterprise? Yes, airplanes. Yes.
2: Under Jimmy Carter.
1: Yes. Had I told you this?
2: No, I heard you say it on the radio.
1: Oh. And I remember at the time thinking, am I embarrassing myself? Because it so contradicts what I stand for. Right. But I strongly suspected that once airlines compete only on price, they won't give a damn about how they treat you. So, and and I was right. They don't, they used to compete on comfort and service and on time dependability.
2: Wait, so I don't understand. So you were for the deregulation? Yes, no, of...
1: I was again, I said it was the only time in my life I was for government control rather than deregulation. The government uh, controlled airfares. That's what happened un- until Jimmy Carter. And then and then it was decided, and it made perfect sense, especially those of us for, for pre-enterprise, et cetera. They said, no, uh, let the free market r- rule in airline travel, but there, there's no such thing as the uh, as the free market ruling in airline travel. First of all, there's no free market, no matter what, because there, there. I mean, there is to a certain extent, but there isn't entirely because there's a limitation on the number of gates. See, it, it, the the argument, the the free enterprise argument, runs as follows: You make you sell Frankfurters, well in the free market, I'll sell better Frankfurters at a cheaper price, I'll win. Because there's no limit to the number of Frankfurters you can sell. Mm -hmm. But there's an inherent limit to how many flights you can schedule. It's based on the number of gates at an airport. End of issue. So it was always limited. It was never really fully free enterprise. But even putting that aside, all I knew was... If the government regulates the fares, how will they compete? On excellence. When they stop competing on excellence and only compete yes. on fares, you don't get excellence. Yes. The seats got much tighter. There's there's less legroom today than there was before. They, they would even advertise, oh, Fly United, we have more legroom than American, or something to that effect. <laughs> this must... This must blow your mind. Do you even know that everybody, even in coach, got a meal? America's at a tipping point. Dennis Prager here to tell you about a new movie you should see. Dinesh D'Souza's movie, Police State. It exposes the government's relentless persecution of the conservative MAGA movement. The America we know and love is becoming more and more like a police state. The FBI has turned its eyes away. From the real dangers in the world to target what they call domestic terrorists with a totalitarian agenda that's treating conservative Americans like criminals. They're targeting their political opponents using mass surveillance and censorship, indoctrinating children, and threatening families with military-style raids on our homes. Threatening people like you and me who speak our minds and stand up for freedom of speech, freedom of religion, Our God-Given American Liberties, directed by Dinesh D'Souza, Debbie D'Souza, and Bruce Schooley, Police State sounds the alarm. If you demand your freedom, they may be coming after you. How did we get here, and how do we turn the tide of this tyrannical government's agenda? See this movie, Police State, buy it or stream it now at policestatefilm.net. That's policestatefilm.net. This must blow your mind. Do you even know that everybody, even in coach, got a meal?
2: No. Wow, that's amazing.
1: It is amazing because this is not that long ago, but it's in your life it it would not have applied. I, everyone, if first class got a meal, economy got a meal. That's
2: equity. That was equity. equity? That's right. That's
1: the joke. It was equity, but it was inclusion because they competed on food. You'll have a better meal on Delta, but wow. not anymore.
2: Wow. Okay. Wow. I'm starting to feel bad for myself that I didn't live in the old America.
1: <laughs> oh well, you, you, that is funny. Uh, it's not funny, but it, it, I know. It's, it's funny. I mean, the, the memories. There was there was glamour to airline travel.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Come again. There I mean, was glamour. Yes, that's right. Oh wow. That, that that would take a uh, athletic vigorous well uh, uh, so imagination here to... so
1: this will really get me in trouble but I, I, that's fine uh, the, you're, the... you're already in trouble exactly anyway the question is not uh, whether it's politically correct the question is whether there's any truth to what I'm about to say so here's another interesting example and I'm torn I fully admit it I'm torn but un- until I don't know what year I assume the 80s. The, the airlines hired, I don't remember any male flight attendants. They were called stewardesses. That's what they were. You, you, they weren't flight attendants. They were stewardesses because it was basically always female. They were almost always young, and they had to meet certain physical requirements in terms of weight, for example.
2: Oh, really? Oh, totally. In terms of weight? Yes. Ooh.
1: Because it was a glamorous position. Wow. And you had to retire at a certain age. I don't know, was it 40? I mean, it was clearly a young age. Then, totally understandably, they said, no, 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 no. It's not fair. We want to work as long as we want. We don't want right. any weight requirement. And now you have a, a fair number, and I'm hardly thin, but I'm not a, I'm not a flight attendant. Uh, and and f- for talk show hosts and writing, weight doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, in the in the airplane today, it is not glamorous, obviously, in terms of who is serving you, uh, because weight doesn't matter and age doesn't matter. Now, this sounds sexist, this sounds ageist and all of that stuff. The issue is not, is it sexist or ageist? The issue is, is it true? And I totally get it that people don't want to retire at 40, And look for other work. But if you know in advance that is the nature of this job, then I don't know that it's inherently wrong. But all I'm saying is there was a sense of glamour.
2: Well, look at models. I mean, models have... I think I think they've kind of tried to move in a different direction. Yeah, though now. they're moving
1: back now. It's interesting. Yeah. I was just reading Victoria's Secret. I think is going back to its. Uh, but
2: model, I mean, my God, to be a model, you they're, they're ruthless right. with your weight and your. Yeah, and your well, age well, they they're...
1: were. They're crazy on the mo- the models oh, are and, almost no, anorexic. From, so it's don't sick. even start me. The, the models, sick. the models' world is is not healthy, but the the. Believe me, the, the, the stewardess is – I mean, let me tell you something. If I would say to a friend, you know, I'm going out, which I did. I remember once I was saying, oh, I'm, I'm uh, having dinner with this American airline stewardess. The assumption was she, she was really beautiful and glamorous and so on. And they were right. That was, that was the assumption. Wow. So all I'm saying is that was a different time. So is it a better time? in that regard well it's certainly better for the women who enter right. flight there's no question but i don't think people should argue that no price is paid but it's all of one the the stewardess was special and this passenger was special because they dressed special mm. and so it's all gone
2: it's just amazing in general to learn that that there was that glamour and that, and you that it, it are, was
1: again what you should do is Google, uh, uh, steward airline stewardesses nineteen seventies or nineteen sixties.
2: And you know what? I'm sure, like, look, and and I I think it's been, you know, there are some more strict things like weight, and AI. I think that stuff was better to have been done away with. But, but you know. It must have been more fun for the stewardesses to show up every day to work and I, and I would I would feel think so. beautiful and yeah. and maybe even like flirt with a pa- you know I feel like
1: yeah well it was a freer world in that well, way yeah. by the way I I, I want to I want to I'm I'm really of two minds on this because I fully understand that a, a a flight attendant could do her job talking about the women now uh, can do her job and be overweight. Uh, that, that's clear. Even in terms of if God forbid, you know, there's an emergency, I, I totally get that. But the but there we're fooling ourselves if we deny the impact of the physical body on the, on public persona. Let me give you two examples. So, just the other day, literally. Three days ago, I was flying back from Mississippi. Actually, I I was in Mississippi, and I flew back from Tennessee. I'm only correcting myself because I like to be accurate. And they said, okay, uh, pre-board now, all those on active duty, which is nice. I I think that's wonderful.
2: It is. It is.
1: And uh, so the only uh, people who uh, qualified for that were two women, They were not together, and they they were both, um, it appeared to me to be overweight. (laughs) And again, I'm not judging overweight people, but I am saying that when the members of your armed forces don't look fit, it has an impact on the way you think you're being defended. Hmm. Is that fair to say? I don't want to go on unless, well, unless that's I, yeah. you feel it's unfair.
2: Honestly, I would think that they may work in intelligence or in you know there are other jobs in the military that are not combat on, boots on the ground. You know, okay, that's jobs fair. That... I,
1: I, obviously, I don't know what. But they're... yeah,
2: if I, I mean, if I saw someone that was you know boots on the ground, combat, right? Ser- you you... serve. See, server. What's what's the right? We're
1: not allowed to acknowledge the uncomfortable. Yes, that is 100% true. It's the age of deny uncomfortable facts. That is what, by the way, that's the basic problem of leftism. If it makes me uncomfortable, I I don't believe it's true.
2: Well, let's, to use your classic great this or that example, uh, let's say you... There's a creepy guy who is lingering uh outside of uh outside of your car and you're trying to go to you know bring your groceries to the car, and this guy's kind of lingering by your car and you call a police and he's menacing you know why do not you come over here da-da-da, you know and you feel sort of maybe physically threatened by this guy and you call a police officer, would you prefer? your police officer to come and your police officer is shredded and ripped and you see his biceps and he looks like strong or would you prefer to have the police officer come who looks overweight and maybe not as physically competent? Well, I know no. Which about, one I what, would what
1: about male or female police officer?
2: To- that's absolutely fit true. Fit male well.
1: versus fit female. That's
2: absolutely true as well. And look, I I think with my the...
1: wife says it all the time. Says if there's a fire in the house, I want men to show up. They may have to carry me out. Of
2: course, of course. No, we we do not acknowledge uncomfortable. I do think with the flight the female flight attendants, I think that that weight stuff is. Antiquated and and okay, I it don't is well, fair. it
1: is antiquated. But I,
2: I only, I, I, just, I used I it in terms right of the do, glamour of the airline. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Right. On
1: that. Okay. You, I don't want to deny that it it had a different aura. That these that's were, completely fair. Okay, these were glamorous women who who were serving in the airline men felt it and women felt it i'm sure my wife would agree with me and she's a woman and uh uh, which is radical today but she is she is a woman was even born a woman but uh i i fully as i said i understand why it changed i do get it but the we can't we shouldn't deny things because they're uncomfortable. I'll give you a very interesting example. This'll this'll fascinate you. So I I have a subscription to the New York Times.
2: So do I, regrettably.
1: God God, God <laughs> forgive me. And anyway, so there there was an article in the opinion section just this past weekend, I believe, something to the effect six or eight myths about sex. So, needless to say, I immediately went to it because will it give me something for the male-female hour? Of course, and, and, and so on. And I and I, I'm, I'm the subject is fascinating, and I mm-hmm. wanted to know. So, some of it was quite coherent to me. One of them was: it is a myth that men are more interested in sex than women. Oh, and so you know, you know what I do with every article I read virtually. Not just the ones I write. I mean, every article I read, I go to comments. Oh. And I always click on most popular. Okay. And especially in the New York Times because you have to be a New York Times subscriber to make a comment.
2: Okay. Oh, I'm so curious. What did they so say? The did, so,
1: so the number – I so so there were like 500 comments. The number one comment, the most popular comment made was – this author is out of his or her mind. I don't remember if it was a his or her. Everybody knows men are more interested in sex. What are they talking about? Do oh. women pay to have sex? If you hear somebody was paid to have sex, do you say, gee, was it a man or a woman?
2: Look at, I mean, to, to make this more sinister, look at sex crimes, you know? Exactly. Who, who overwhelmingly is the one who's raping? Yes. Women or men? Right.
1: How many men are getting unwanted touches and they're right. on their leg,
2: right? Well, even <laughs> versus women. Look, I mean, it's, right. I mean, when people you know deny the role of of violence being more of a proclivity in men, why are ninety nine point nine percent of school shooters male? And, no, shoot, and right. many shooters, yes. most shooters yes. in general, but especially school shooters, which is the you know. No,
1: so why why would they write something patently absurd? Well, and the reason is they're uncomfortable with it. The left right. never asks, "Is it true?" They asks, they ask, "Is it comfortable?" Yes. Does it yes. bother me? Yep. Not. Is it true? Absolutely. That's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah, you're right. Every everybody knows it. I, I showed it to my wife, and she just totally cracked up. So they, they they they're not living on Earth
2: and you know we we use the the male female example with the police officers i would rather have a male police officer show up to protect me a male firefighter a male security guard that is totally true but you know it also it also goes the other way around like i you may feel differently because you're a man i want a female therapist sometimes it's funny because my therapist is actually a male but but um I usually have female therapists. Uh, My male therapist is just so wonderful that I've kept him. But I would rather have a female doctor because females are very. You know, I want to. I just want to make it clear. It goes in the other direction too.
1: Well, you certainly rather have a female. Most women, a female gynecologist. I mean, that that almost goes without saying.
2: Yes, I mean,
1: and I totally get that. Look, of course we have preferences. I, I, I rather have a female. Uh, in anything that has to do with nurturing, that's right, like n- a nurse, and there were great male nurses, and there were crappy female nurses, all things being considered, i rather have a female nurse who, who was nurturing than a male nurse who was nurturing. i rather mm-hmm. have a male nurturing than a non-male non-nurturing. Okay, I, I understand. You're right. right. That's right. We prefer different... All of this is unutterable.
2: And you know what's amazing, too? This is this is a realm of life that I can't believe hasn't been more infected by DEI, but it may be coming. I heard this girl in high school. I remember I was talking with her. And she said that it is racist to say that you tend to be... Um, more attract you know when people say what's your type and someone says asian guys or you know some people will say like i I was talking with a friend the other day who was saying i feel like my type is mixed mixed race she just says i'm I'm overwhelmingly attracted to to people who are mixed race
1: you want a killer black friday deal how about a free moto g 5g phone from pure talk no gimmicks no trade-in necessary just sign up for Pure Talk's Unlimited Talk, Unlimited Text, and 15-gig data plan for just $35 a month. And get the Moto G 5G phone for free. But you need to move fast. These phones may be gone by the end of the month. If your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy 2-Day Battery Life, a quad-pixel camera and a whole lot more. Dial pound 250 and say the keywords Dennis Prager. To speak with Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team, they make switching so easy, and it will make sure you get your new phone. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. Dial pound 250 and say Dennis Prager. To claim your free moto g five g phone with qualifying plan from pure talk
2: I was trying, years ago a girl in high school was telling me it's racist to say that you have certain racial preferences with regard to who you're attracted to
1: unbelievable
2: i I think that's unbelievable too oh. i mean look if if you if you said I am only attracted to this race because all the other races are inferior, and in the, then right. I get but that. No, but, but nobody no says that. that exactly. And you know what my retort to her was? Well, is it is it is it uh, sexist to be just attracted to one sex? If you're a straight a guy or a straight good. girl, All right. is, it, here, here, here,
1: here. is it
2: heightest to be attracted to? Right. If you're a girl, a guy who's taller than you. Yeah. Is heightest. it weightest? That's good. To, is it weightest to prefer a guy who's more fit than 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 less fit? Is it? I mean, think about. Is it beardist If you like guys who have beard? Like, their attraction is such a specific, intimate, right. you thing. And of you know, it's like. Anyway, I I sort of uh, see maybe DEI kind of going into that realm more of of your attraction because think about it like romance is just total subjectivity, right? No, no one is thinking about DEI in their in their romance lives. I no know, one is just affirmative action in their I know, white, I know their white
1: guys who way prefer Hispanic women to white women. Way prefer Asian women to white women. Are they are they racists?
2: I know I know white girls who prefer you know black guys black or my friend mixed race guys I mean again it goes in both directions and, and it
1: doesn't mean anything
2: I know I know I mean yeah so, you're right I've heard, heard that, that I've
1: heard that it's said that it's racist
2: and again if someone is saying well I would never you know be with an Asian because because Asian people you, in general suck okay that's racist this
1: will but this will blow your mind. So it is often noted that there isn't any report in all of Israel's wars of Israeli soldiers raping Arab women. When that is raised, the left or some on the left and some uh, uh, Arab writers say, that's because they're racist. Oh. Is that amazing?
2: Do, they really don't understand how the world works. Then. Well,
1: first of all, it's 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 on the face of it, it's it's preposterous. Nobody looking at a Palestinian or a Jordanian or a Syrian, and looking at the average Israeli, could tell the difference. There is no That's racial a good point difference. Too. That's the, the, a very the,
2: good point as well.
1: Half of the Israelis come Are, from Arab stocks. Yes, I mean, it's it, so it's preposterous to begin with.
2: I know, yeah, and. They don't
1: rape because they're Jews and they were taught not to rape.
2: The amount of ignorance and just really leftism is a rejection of reality and a profound ignorance about the world. I mean, I heard someone say recently, like, two groups of people have never hated each other as much as the Israelis slash the Jews. You heard that? Yes. Someone said that, like, in the history of the world. I'm like.
1: Right. Well, first of all, this is part of the lies that are told to Remove all moral judgment. Yes. Okay. One side wants the other side dead. My video, I Prager you the first one I made about the Middle East.
2: Well, I mean, my God, do you just not know anything about the world—the Hutus and the Tutsis and Sunnis and conflict. Right, but it isn't conflict. true
1: about the and Israelis.
2: I know it. I know the, it's The hatred
1: not. is overwhelmingly in one direction.
2: I, I understand that, but but the fact that people just look at the conflicts and the things that are amplified by the media. Like, I hear people say, you know, too, like, oh, my gosh, well, black-white race relations in the United States are so terrible. They have no understanding of the world if they think that black-white relations in the United States are bad. I mean, Holy moly! They just think like white and non-white, or Western and non-Western people are the only people who hate each other. The Greeks hate the Turks. The Turks hate the Greeks. The Armenians hate the Turks. The Azerbaijanis hate the Armenians. The Sunnis hate the Shia. The Shia hate the Sunnis. The Hudus hate the Tutsis. The
1: Catholics, Catholics slaughter the Bengalis hate
2: the Pakistanis who hate the Indians who hate the or who hate the Muslims who hate the Hindus. Who it's like. Are you kidding me? The Tibetans hate the Chinese. Welcome to the world.
1: That's right.
2: I mean, <laughs> we should actually write a list of all of the right. non-white people. Steelers
1: fans hate Browns fans.
2: Well, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I'm going to do this. I need to remember this. I'm going to write a list of all of the non-white, non-Western people you, who you, hate each other. You
1: will uh, have a very long list.
2: Yes. But I don't want to forget what you said earlier about judgment. I thought it was I thought it was an incredibly, incredibly well said and important point. I feel like, you know, I was reflecting on this a lot. at What hard, point
1: but, that are you referring to?
2: Oh, now? the you know, you deferred to Alan's judgment and having oh, and you okay, said you need yes. to know your blind spots.
1: Yeah, that's key.
2: You know, I think we live in a culture. That is very obsessed with how to be successful, but they focus on many of the wrong things. Like, for instance, I've always find it to be found it excuse me, to be interesting that colleges and universities, including my my alma mater, tend to pick graduation speakers who are like these breakout insane successes. J.K. Rowling. Oprah, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, those are the types of people who are kind of held up at, on graduation day as th- th- this is the enlightened person who can teach all the rest of you. I think it would benefit college graduates so much more to, to have a, a car dealership owner speak to us than a Mark Zuckerberg. Seriously. Bless someone you. who got married has kids you know has yeah, their own business has right. a blue collar job right. and who learns things like like you know w- w- because we we tend to focus so much on yeah, the that way that is- you're successful is you you invest in the right thing and you have your eye out for the right startup and you know what for, for seeing seeing the Mark Zuckerberg on your graduation day, you get the idea that that happens frequently. For every Mark Zuckerberg, there are 5 million people who were just as smart and, and failed. And so it's, anyway, I, I just... I,
1: I love it on so many counts.
2: That gem is so much more useful to every single person right. than whatever Mark Zuckerberg is. tell us.
1: I would love to go through the... Most elite universities because they could choose who they want. Right. How many? Uh, what percentage of their speakers of the last ten years have been billionaires?
2: Oh my gosh, almost all. With, of them.
1: with all of their talk. By the way, about, but we live
2: in an elitist culture, right?
1: Right. Which they—that's what they would argue. Yeah. Right. We live so in an elite. We so we're, we're going to reward the elite.
2: And by the way, look, I'm not just trying to to say all of that is bad. It's it's hugely inspiring to see someone like that who's really just. All right, so ascended. let me let me
1: then react to your point about the the other five million who didn't make it, to right? So when I used to watch the Academy Awards, and I never watched an entire evening, but I would like to watch snippets. It was an it was an insight into the world. Mm-hmm. So unbelievable. Oh, Almost every year that I watched, and probably every year, because I don't watch the whole thing, some, usually an actress, who won, let's say, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Mm -hmm. will get up and say, you know, when I was a girl in Montana...
2: I dreamed of this moment.
1: And so let me tell you, you too should dream, because if you dream... It will come true for you too, or something to that effect. And I remember thinking, "What are you kidding? How many people win Best Actress in the course of anyone's lifetime? Seventy-five out out of a hundred and fifty million women. Seventy-five in seventy-five years. Oh, it's more than hundred fifty million women because that's only a static population, right? So it, it, that's." Right. The, telling people if you dream it, it it will happen is is just nonsense
2: right I would so much rather hear from someone who said you know what I dreamed it I worked really hard and it didn't happen yes and, and I made I a happy am, life anyway and here's what I did that's right you know that so that, I worked as, so much more relatable. I worked
1: as a waitress or waiter in in some Los Angeles restaurant which is populated for those outside of LA it's populated by struggling actors and actresses. What? And and and, uh, and I realized that's not going to be my career. I decided to to study X, Y, or Z. But most important, I decided to get married. I now have three kids, uh, and I have a wonderful marriage. And you know what? I think I ended up at least as happy as I would have in Hollywood.
2: When we lionize people like Zuckerberg or, or Elon Musk, we celebrate who Nietzsche would call the Ubermensch, the people who did it all on their own. And I can understand I really can, how you know universities or people who are having these forums with keynote speakers want to bring in the most like self-made insi- inspiring, successful person. But I think we again get get this idea that we if we just believe in ourselves enough and rely on ourselves, then we will make it in the same way that they did. And I just, I really appreciated your comment because saying that you sometimes defer to other people's judgment because it's humble and it's, you know, you could be like, I'm I'm Dennis Prager. I'm the, you know, 40 year long talk show host, the, best-selling author the founder you know i don't need anybody's judgment but no you're you're in that exalted position and you're telling other people you've got to be humble sometimes and realize when you're wrong what your blind spots are when you need to shut up and defer to others and that's just not a message that we get from this celebrated uber mensch mentality well
1: you did a great job in uh, offering an exegesis on my point exegesis for those who don't know interpretation yeah it's usually used in biblical exegesis but it was excellent but so here is the interesting thing because you're right to go back to this point it's so big i i was open enough with you and and our listeners slash slash watchers that my i differed with him inside of me right and i even offered a perfunctory objection But knew I would go along with what he said because I so trust him. So there's another element to that. When you say it's humble, I guess you're right. But my 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 description is it's rational. That, uh, that too. The idea that I will always be right without the aid of others' wisdom is so stupid. It's not even so. It's not even an issue of humility. It's an issue of rationality. Why? Why would I think? Why? why? I have great self-confidence, but you know that every word of my Bible commentaries, the four volumes thus far. Every word is read out loud amongst four of us.
2: Yes, and you fight.
1: And we fight, and they yell at me, and they say, that's ridiculous, I can't believe you're writing that, here's a much better point, and I love it. And I love it for a very selfish reason. It's not humility. I want the best possible book to be published.
2: I know, we we are leading people so wrong right now when we, you know you see these college kids who are petitioning to change the curriculum and to introduce this new class or to get this speaker off the campus and with the administrators often have you ever heard an administrator say no you're wrong this isn't right we're not changing the curriculum you're we're not we're not we're not you know kicking out this speaker we know more than you we have 45 years of oh educational God. experience on you, See, and is, we appreciate your activism. This is when you
1: blow but, my mind.
2: But, like, <laughs> when do you ever hear you actually don't know everything? Right. Uh, my generation, I told you at my graduation, it was, you're the most tolerant, diverse, equitable, inc- inclusive generation right. ever. You're going to change the world. Where's the humility? Where's the no? You don't have it all figured out. You're not the most enlightened people to ever live.
1: Did I ever tell you my reaction?
2: Eat some humble pie and learn. So
1: you know they changed the voting age to 18 from 21, I think when I was in college. Oh, wow. And I said to my girlfriend at the time, I I remember this vividly. I said to her, I can't believe they're giving me the vote. I don't know anything.
0: Oh my gosh. And I
1: was ten times better informed than the average eighteen yes. year old or twenty year old yes and I knew i didn't know anything
2: i know i, I think know. it's
1: i think it's it's both because well no i don't even I, I retract the opening sentence i think it's because I was told constantly by my parents you're wrong mm they they did not live to build up my self esteem or confidence. They lived to make me a better man. That's all that their agenda was. Sometimes they were right. Sometimes, usually they were right. Not always, but they they didn't think. Oh, let's mollify him. Let's make him feel good about himself. My friends, I want to tell you about one of the most influential books of my life. In fact, it's on my list of the 10 books that most influenced me, and it's just been re-released, George Gilder's Men and Marriage. George Gilder has been clear about the stakes for the family since 1974. Fifty years later, the need of the hour remains. Men who take responsibility for themselves, men who love their wives, men who raise their own children. Men who tackle the workforce, motivated by their family and the needs of others. Without fathers, our civilization will simply sink back into the Stone Age. We need to bring dads back, or else get your copy of George Gilder's classic book, Men and Marriage, today at dadsareback.com. Civilization is built by men with families to feed. Yep, without the dads, we're toast. Get George Gilder's book at dadsareback.com. I often tell people, you, unlike almost anybody, uh, really almost anybody, uh, certainly anybody outside of the religious Jewish world, you're not Jewish, so it's particularly rare, you know what Shabbat dinners are like, Friday night dinners in, in a r- religious Jewish uh, home. It's just talk. It's hours. I mean, four hours is a normal Friday night meal. And it's talk. It could be about baseball, and it could be about the meaning of life. But it's talk. I think I learned to think and talk at the Friday night table. I didn't learn it at And school. you're
2: challenged. Total, I, I mean, I uh, see we're that. All, we're all challenge challenged. each other all the time.
1: Nobody feels the need to agree with anybody. No. Uh, uh, kids can challenge parents, and parents could say to the kid, you don't know what you're talking about. I will never forget when I finally had the guts, I was six years younger than my older brother, and they are just, again, two sons. So I would listen to my father and my brother talk Friday nights at the meal. And argue and talk about heavy duty stuff. Is there an afterlife? Well, who is God? All, you know, meaning of life, etc. So finally, I don't remember the age, maybe 13, 12, I don't know. I finally spoke up on a Friday night. And my father looked at me after I stopped and he goes, That's ridiculous.
2: <laughs> Good for him. Yes. No, so many parents are. So like, oh, there, there's no. So
1: they're stayed in my mind to this day. When I speak, is there a voice that will say, "Dennis, that's nonsense"? I think he the word is nonsense.
2: Oh, it's so helpful. And you know what? When you're young, I actually, it's kind of comforting sometimes for kids to be put in. I mean, it is. It is comforting for kids to be put in their place and actually kind of swallow the pill that they may not know everything. I remember being disciplined by teachers sometimes growing up. You know, I tell you, um, uh, in elementary school, I was kind of, I I wasn't, I was not the class clown, but I was a lot more silly and goofy and disruptive than I was. By the way,
1: we here do see the silly and goofy in Julie.
2: Yes, it you has, do.
1: It has not departed
2: well it's it's way it's way more restrained than it was when it was little and then when i got i mean as I got older in school, I was like the most well, locked in right. focused, serious nerd you could have ever met. but um, I remember sometimes being disciplined by teachers to knock it off and and there was something there was something as a kid that was like nice and comforting about that kids crave structure and roles and boundaries and it certainly made me a stronger person but it kind of made me understand where i fit in in life and and the way i ought to behave and and that's that's something that you know people are so afraid of hurting kids feelings and making kids feel bad no as a kid you you i wish i could better explain it but it but it gives a kind of order and structure to you that you crave
1: yep well guardrails are more important than nurturing yeah I, I was saying to you before the show, we should do an hour on this or however long it would be. So I, I believe love is overrated. And I love love. I mean, just for the record, I love love.
2: And it's needed, of course. Yeah. So much.
1: But it it doesn't mean it's not overrated. I mean, we, we, need, we need a lot of things. We need money. Mm-hmm. You, otherwise, you starve. But it is overrated. So the fact that we need something doesn't mean it is not it can't be overrated. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love, love is the answer, God is love, all of this stuff. It doesn't help. The mm-hmm. parent's task is to give kids guardrails. Love is a bonus. I know this sounds crazy to people. The first thing since the 60s, and not before that, the first thing people think of is what should you give your child? Love. No, the first thing you give your child is guardrails.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is better to have guardrails with less nurturing than a bunch of nurturing and no guardrails. That—that's what you're saying. I mean, and, and I and I agree. Back to the original because of the time factor in in, in all our podcasts, but that I I want. Everybody, everybody should have people in their lives that they trust enough to think maybe they're right. Yes. Maybe I'm not. It. It is. By the way, I hold that even for my positions. Do you know when I when? Do you know one of the reasons I read a lot of the hate stuff about me on the internet? You
2: want to know if they have a point? That's right. Yes. And by the way, I have read stuff, you know, comments on in my Instagram and, and when people challenge me there, there's a part of me, you know, when I read some of that, I go, that's a good point. I should have considered right. that. The men, maybe should they should have, and maybe they time. should
1: have said it nicer, but that, I don't right. care about that. Right. I care. Is the yes. substance yes. accurate?
2: Yes. Yep. That, this is, this is a big insight. You got to know your blind spots and where other people can step in.
1: Because we all have them, we all you, have you, them. It, no. it, it, it's not possible not to have them.
2: And you compound your success to use a word that everyone cares about and loves. If if you do that,
1: that when people speak highly of my Bible commentary, and and I'm proud. I think it's I think it's terrific. I think I I I know it's life changing. And and you you your reactions move me ter- tremendously. But only I know how many people help make it great. Mm -hmm. And the more, the merrier. I, I I want stylistic editors. I write well, and I write fast. I should after all these years of writing. But I know that somebody will be able to say a certain sentence more elegantly or more succinctly or challenge me uh, in some way. And I love it.
2: We are really living in a society now that is seeing the consequences of not internalizing your insight. P- people, people with this, I know best arrogance. I, you know, this is the whole don't trust anybody over 30. <laughs> They've had way more life experience than you. You probably should, tr- you should trust more people over 30 than people under 30 you know this this idea of well we need to change all of these institutions with these new gender and race theories because this new enlightened understanding is better than all of the previous things that we have understood like our society in general is succumbing to this well, I, I know better than everyone before me well, with the, me this, and really, ahead of it me. goes
1: back to self the self movement and back to the, everything's about feelings you have to feel good about yourself i feel good about myself if i've done good i never feel good if i didn't do good you know i'm a behaviorist everything's behavior so that's why i don't you know, I get big debates about how important are thoughts actions actions are where it's
0: at
2: on a final note, I do understand this was kind of the genesis of this conversation. I do understand the feeling guilty for taking some time to laugh amid this terrible moment that we're in. right. And I feel that I also feel that on a micro level when, when I have a friend or a family member who's suffering or really, you know, there's been something bad. I feel guilty for enjoying my life the next day or taking a moment to, distract myself
1: I'll tell you how I assuage my guilt did you uh, did I interrupt you because if you have no 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 no. I'll tell you I do have that so the way I avoid the guilt feelings is is by fighting so uh, I'm fighting for Israel's survival therefore I know I'm allowed to laugh Mm. I I've By, by do, that's again why I'm totally behaviorist. If you, if you act good, that's all that matters. And if you act bad, that's all that matters. Not that you meant well. If you meant well and acted bad, I have zero sympathy. Finally, there was one, there was an ancillary point that I made in the beginning. Remind me. Yeah and when I remind you of course you'll remember but it was a very interesting point and there's no way for you at 24 to fully appreciate it like I do but you will fully understand it obviously and that is how fleeting fame is yes see that you never heard of the of that of the movie airplane is to someone older than you amazing and i do this I, it's it's a fun thing for me to do with young people i will list the household names i mean give me two household names is um uh give, you know some, taylor swift taylor swift that's exactly who i was thinking of <laughs> i want you to understand something when you will be talking not even in 50 years in 25 years
2: Oh my gosh! You
1: will be talking to someone twenty five years younger than you and say, you know, Taylor Swift and like, who? I I give you my word. That's,
2: seems impossible. It seems
1: impossible.
2: That's how you felt when that, I didn't know airplanes. That's right. Mm.
1: And and it.
2: it someone it, was talking to me the other day about Johnny Carson. Now I I I've heard right. of him. I can't picture him. Right. I think he hosted the Tonight show? Yes. But I don't I only know that because I'm in this talk show world every, my friends uh, have no idea who he is.
1: Every American, I mean as close to every American as you could get, knew who Johnny Carson was. See, I wonder was.
2: if that will happen with like Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian
1: oh, oh. <laughs> like, That Kim Kardashian <laughs> that's gonna happen in five minutes. that will be no. That w- she will be forgotten within a year that she leaves the public sphere. It it will, people, because at least Johnny Carson was known for something.
2: (laughs) You know what's, I know that we keep going on and on and on and it's so fun. I will say what's weird about uh, this modern world that we live in with regard to fame is that there are a lot of people who have an immense following on social media. You know, like two million YouTube subscribers, three million Mm -hmm. Instagram followers. And they have, you know, and then they post a video, and there are seventeen thousand comments on their video. But if you walked up to the average person on the street and said, "Who is blank?" They would have no idea. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Is that weird? Yeah. Like, how does that work?
1: Well, because you know? often the fame is confined to the two million on Instagram. They're the ones who know the person, right? <laughs> and and not, not there's a many lot else. more
2: famous people, but there's fewer. People who are known, I think, globally or un- universally, widely.
1: Right. There are more people with large followings yes. because you could have that thanks to social right. media. Right, right.
2: But, uh, but are they the, really the, famous?
1: That's a fair question. All I want every young person listening to know is don't think it's important to have fame. It's That is so... I wonder... I suspect fame is more alluring than wealth. Oh, yes. If you asked most people your age, you could have great fame or great wealth.
2: Oh, it would be fame.
1: Isn't that interesting? I don't know that that was true for most of American history. When
2: I was young, I used to think fame was so cool. And now that I'm older, I really don't, especially doing this job, I honestly don't care. I want, I want our shows and my show to do well. I want to influence people. But fame itself, I, honest to God, don't really care.
1: People, so this is a I, great... I've
2: actually come to see it as a curse a bit.
1: Oh, well, uh, uh, it has ruined money more lives than it has helped. So I'm pretty famous, okay? I, I acknowledge that. Just walk with me through the airport and if, if one needs anecdotal proof so people think i either either i must be conceited or if they know me they marvel at the fact that i'm not conceited so here is my theory they think if they were this famous they would be conceited they which makes sense that that people might think that but That's not what makes me tick. What makes me tick is am I having an influence? The joy I have when young people or any people come over for a selfie at the airport is not, oh, wow, I am famous. It doesn't even occur to me. I don't walk around thinking I'm famous for two seconds. Not two seconds. I'm reminded of it when somebody walks over to me. But it does bring me joy that they know what I stand for. Mm. Oh, you 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 read my Bible commentary? Oh, that you watched the Fireside so cool. Chat? Yes, it is cool. That's exactly right. The, who, who was it? Was it? Oh, was it you who saw the Starbucks guy reading the the the? Or was it? Oh no no, no. it was it was Daniel. It was,
2: no, it was Reed.
1: Oh, it was Reed? It was Reed. Yeah. That's that's it. That was adorable. We haven't
2: found him yet.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, it's okay. Okay, we'll leave that alone. For yes. That. Right. <laughs>
2: Are we, are we? Yeah, we are. But I, it I, I it's,
1: it's, um, to all young people watching or listening.
2: Don't smell on a plane. You don't know everything. And, uh, yeah, fi- find an alley. Don't, don't, and-
1: <laughs> don't, think.
2: And watch airplane.
1: Don't yearn for fame.
2: And don't yearn for yearn fame. Yearn to do good. A lot of lessons yearn, this episode. You're,
1: yearn to make a home with, with a, good man or woman that that's 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 rewarding okay this was great
2: it was you can reach me at julie at julie-hartman.com and you can also follow me and leave mean comments that i will read and internalize uh, on instagram and twitter at julie r hartman you can follow dennis at the dennis prager Mm. on Instagram Mm. and Dennis and Julie premieres every Mondays on this channel, one o'clock Pacific four o'clock Eastern. And you can listen to it on Apple and Spotify. We'll see you soon. Thanks for being with us and Shalom.
1: Thanks all.